John Thurman's Resilient Solutions Shortcast, Season 2, Episode 18, How to Be a Faith-Filled Man in Today's World, Part 2. Here's a question for you. What on earth does it mean to be a faith-filled man in the 21st century? There seems to be so much confusion on this. And in today, part two, we're going to dig a little deeper into what it means to be a man of faith in the 21st century. In today's shortcast, we'll be talking about the last six of Dr. Jordan Peterson's 12 rules for life. I think these are great touch points for men. We're going to look at the last six, and I'm going to share some biblical insights with you because I do believe that one of the things we need to do as men is step up own who we are, be the tough, tender, compassionate, godly men God's called us to be. And I think that some of the things we'll talk about today will begin to give you some tools to engage in that. I really want to challenge you to listen, take some notes. I've also put some links in here for you so you can follow up because I want you to be the best guy you can be for yourself, for the Lord, and for your family. As a reminder, today's podcast is brought to you by Covert Mercy Counseling. You can learn more about that at john at johntherman.info. Once again, to learn more about my Covert Mercy Counseling ministry, go to johntherman.info. Let's jump in today as we look at part two of how to be a man of faith in today's world. I was recently reading some economic news about the rapid rise in people who say they're disabled. This doesn't necessarily mean they've applied for a VA disability as a soldier or for Social Security, but it seems a lot of people are claiming to be disabled, and as a result, they're kind of checking out in life. I have a question for you. Has our culture become too therapized? I'm a therapist. I'm asking this question. There seems to be a trend, and I could be completely wrong here, that we're trying to teach people how to live and learn helplessness. I want to encourage you, that is not a profitable path. That is an awful place to be. You and I have what we need in us to do what we need to do, become people that God wants us to become. So don't get sucked into this whole thing about everybody's broken, because we are. We are all broken, but we're not helpless. We have life experience. We have people to come along beside us. We have the scriptures. We have hope. But we have to choose to engage in life to live it. And when it comes to being a man of faith, we have to take some action to make that happen. You can't sprinkle water on your Bible and water it on your head and hope to get it by osmosis. One of the problems I see in today's culture is we spend way too much time looking in the rearview mirror. A reflective life is important, but I want to tell you a little story about what too much reflection does for you. But let's start off with driving. You probably drove a vehicle today, and if you did, you looked forward, you looked to the right and left, hopefully checking your right and left mirrors, and you looked in the rearview mirror. And why did you do that? To maintain situational awareness. When you look in that rearview mirror and your other mirrors, it enables you to see where you've come from, but it also lets you know what could be coming up on you, what could be going on to your right or left. But the overall purpose is for you to keep moving forward in a purposeful, intentional, and safe manner. However, today, it seems that we are overwhelmingly enhanced in looking at our traumas and what's not right with life. And while A life without reflection is not a very rich life. We need to realize that there can be too much of looking at rearview mirror. What happens if you and I do that in traffic? Well, someone gets killed. 
So I want to encourage you today to be aware where you come from, but also look where you're going. There's a classic tale, Greek tale, about what happens if you spend too much time in self-reflection. It's the story of narcissists. Now, so many people like to throw the label around today. Oh, my husband, he's a narcissist. My wife, she's a narcissist. That may well be, but I would encourage you to go look at the DSM-5, our Bible for mental health, to get a definition of a narcissist. But the label comes from Narcissus, who fell in love with his reflection in the waters of a spring, and he pined away there. He was so enamored with it, he refused to live life, and he pined away, or basically he, he died of his own neglect. Matter of fact, the flowers that sprang up bear his name, the Narcissus. They bloom quick and they go away. In a Freudian psychology, the term narcissism denotes an excessive degree of self-esteem or self-involvement, which usually involves some type of emotional insecurity. So are you a narcissist? I hope not. But too many Americans today are spending way too much time reflecting on what their life could have, should have, maybe have been, rather than engaging and trying to find a way to live that life that God planned them to live. Reflect on the past. If you need to do some work on it, be courageous and do the work, but don't stay there, man. Well, as a man of faith, you and I have to learn to face what's in front of us. So many times we men want to peer in the rearview mirror. We want to avoid responsibility. But if you're not going to count for the kingdom of God and be the men that we need to be for our families, our kids, and our community, we need to look forward. There's no deed in this life that's so impossible you can't do it. Did you hear that again? There is no deed in this life that is so impossible you cannot do it. Matter of fact, that was from Tolstoy. I do read a little bit. But also in the New Testament, the Apostle Paul says, I can do all things through him who strengthens me. And you'll find that in Philippians 4.13. Well, now I want to review the last six of Dr. Jordan Peterson's 12 Rules for Life. Number seven, pursue what is meaningful and not expedient. Life is a marathon, guys, not a sprint. And one of the problems I see today, particularly when it comes to porn, is we're looking for quick, short, false ways to experience intimacy. If you want to experience real intimacy, pursue it with the love of your life. Learn how to be intimate appropriately. Learn how to do it with a clear conscience. But more than that, life is a marathon, not a sprint. Life is hard. There is pain and suffering. But tied into that, there's also joy and victory and growth. Matter of fact, if you raise kids, you're involved in one of the most challenging things you'll ever do. But you're also involved in something with tremendous rewards. When they mature, you will see the fruit of their labor. Your marriage might be in a tough spot. Don't take shortcuts. Spend some money. Get some therapy. Do some marriage enrichment. Read some books. Get help. Do what you need to do to make that marriage work right. James 1.12 says, God blesses those who patiently endure testing and temptation. Afterwards, they will receive the crown of life that God promises those who love him. So hang in there. Do what you need to do to make it better. That's a good truth to stand on. Number eight, tell the truth or at least don't lie. Before your head starts spinning, think about this for just a minute. Then tell the truth to yourself and others. Peterson says, if your life is not what it could be, try telling the truth. Try telling the truth if you cling desperately to an ideology or wallow in nihilism. If you feel weak or confused, rejected, depressed, confused, abused, kind of tossed aside, try telling the truth. As broken humans, which we all are, we need truth, love, and hope because the beauty of God's grace is exactly what Jesus offers. That's the beauty of the gospel. Jesus knows we're broken, and he wants to be the healer in our lives. Two verses I want to share there. John 14, 6, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except by me. And then in John eight thirty two, and you will know the truth. And the truth will set you free. Men and women, we have to quit living in darkness. We have to quit living in lies. And we have to begin living in truth. 
The Holy Spirit's mission is to show you that. Number nine, assume the person that you are listening to knows something you don't. So many times I know we kind of parlay with this, I hear a person, but while I'm listening to them, I already formulate my response. Stop doing that, man. Pretty interesting here. You have two ears and one mouth. That's an excellent cue on how to live your life. Try to go into every conversation as someone expecting to learn something new, not as someone who's trying to up someone else with your knowledge. Try listening without formulating response to the conversation. When you do that, you are really actively listening. You're actively sitting with someone to be heard. A couple of scriptures here, Proverbs 18, 13. If one gives an answer before he hears, it is a folly and a shame. If you do that, just read the stuff. James 1.19 says, Know this, my beloved brothers. Let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger. So God gave you two ears and one mouth. Apply, apply appropriately. Next, be precise in your speech. Avoid vague conversations or talking in the obliques. Instead, be clear in your communications, making sure that the other person understands exactly what you mean. One of the things I still carry with me from my military days is if I don't understand you, I'll usually say, say again. I just want to be really sure that I get your drift, that I understand what you're saying. So when you speak, speak to be understood. And when you listen, listen to understand. So be careful in your speech so you can say exactly what you mean and ask to make sure that they understood it. Proverbs ten nineteen says, too much talk leads to sin. Be sensible and keep your mouth shut. And then Proverbs fifteen twenty eight: the heart of the righteous ponders how to answer, but the mouth of the wicked pours out evil things. Two ears, one mouth. The next one, number 11, don't bother children when they're skateboarding. Let kids do what they do. When my 10-year-old granddaughter is this wonderful young lady who has grown up with girls, the other night we had the family over, and she and I were talking about how rowdy 12-year-old boys could be. She said, they're crazy. Let's respect the fact that there's a fundamental difference between boys and girls. So let's let boys be boys and girls be girls and teach them to appreciate those unique differences. I personally believe because of divorces, latchkey kids, and many other things in our society, there is a lack of competent risk-taking men in today's world. More than any time in my 70 years, I see men shirking responsibility and taking the easy path. Guys, act like you got a pair. Let your kids be kids, protect them and love them, and protect and love the women in your life. Let me read uh, 1 Corinthians 13, 11. When I was a child, I spoke and thought and reasoned as a child. But when I grew up, I put away childish things. Ephesians 6, 4. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger by the way you treat them. Rather, bring them up with the discipline and instruction that comes from the Lord. Number 12 in Jordan Peterson's 12 Rules for Life, How to Avoid Chaos. And this one's a doozy. Pet a cat when you encounter one on the street. Please make sure you take advantage of the point here. Petting a cat, unless you are, have a deep, deep fear of cats, can be a very soothing experience. Personally, I prefer petting dogs because they are man's best friend and are more civilized. On the other hand, cats are a mystery. They seem to tolerate us and often act antisocial. Should you attempt to call a cat on the street, it may come towards you or it may act like you do not exist. One way of looking at this is to just be mindful in the moment, to appreciate the little things. I love what Psalm 24, 1-3 says, The Lord is the earth and everything in it, the world and all its people belong to him. For he laid the earth's foundations on the seas and built on the ocean floors. Who may climb to the mountain of the Lord? Who may stand in his holy place? Take time to be mindful. Enjoy your life. Pet a cat. Smell the roses. Sit and just soak in the minute. 
I have a challenge for you. The past two blogs and podcasts, I've talked about 12 of Jordan Peterson's Rules for Life. I've also included some scriptures in there. I want you to review those and choose one or two that kind of stuck in your mind. And also the scriptures that I wove into that. Write out a couple of bullet points of things that you've learned and begin to take action today to do so. Next week, we'll begin to talk about a developmental model for master development. Be sure to check out the links on my webpage. You'll see the links in the show notes. Once again, my name is John Thurman, and you've been listening to John Thurman's Resilient Shortcast, sponsored by John Thurman's counseling ministry called Covert Mercy Incorporated. You can learn more about that by going to my website, john at johnthurman.info. I'm excited about the holidays coming up. I hope you're getting ready for it. And remember, this is the day that the Lord has made, and I will make a choice to rejoice and be glad in it. God bless. See you next week. Take care.